of chapter 3 of Bhagavad Gita. This is a continuation from the last camp where we have done 13 verses and we'll continue from then on. However, before we proceed with the 14th verse, we'll have a review of what we have done so that there is, you know, for you also there is a continuity. <coughs> So open the seventh page. As you can see, the this chapter, this third chapter, begins with a question on the part of Arjuna, or you may say confusion expressed by Arjuna, based on what he has heard in the second chapter from Lord Krishna. In second chapter, Lord Krishna spoke about two things. One, he spoke about karma, karma yoga, meaning performing karma or the duty in the spirit of yoga, in the spirit of offering. And secondly, Lord Krishna also talked about jnanam or knowledge of self. So self-knowledge or sankhya and karma yoga these were the two topics or subjects which Lord Krishna discussed. <clears throat> and from the description of Lord Krishna, it was very clear. Lord Krishna described a wise person who is liberated while living, meaning that one who has attained moksha. In description of the wise person, which is called Stila Pragna, the man of abiding wisdom, Lord Krishna said that he is a person who is free from all the desires. Vihaya kaman yasarvan umam sarati nisprahaha. This person is free from all the desires, all the needs, all the demands. So moksha means freedom from all the needs or demands. Nisprah, therefore, free from attachment everywhere. Sarati, he moves about freely. Nirmamo nirahankaraha. He has no mamatva, he doesn't have any sense of ownership, meaning that he does not need to call anything as mine. Understand that when we say this is mine, that is out of a certain need. Because I feel a sense of security or comfort in feeling that I own this. The sense of ownership gives me a sense of comfort or security, and that's the reason why we say, this is mine, this is mine. So we see security or experience security in our possessions. Nirmamaha. However, this wise person has no need to call anything as mine because 
he has discovered the security with his own self. What a person, because of ignorance, is seeking outside of himself, such as happiness, such as security, such as love. That is due to a wrong conception, a wrong perception that I am insecure, I am unhappy, I am needy, that's my perception of myself. And that perception brings about a search for love, security, happiness outside of myself. Here is a person who has discovered the fact that security or fearlessness is my nature. Happiness is my nature. Freedom is my nature. That being the case, he does not need any other crutches to feel secure or free. Ignorant person, all kinds of crutches to feel secure. It may be members of family, it may be the wealth, it may be other possessions, it may be name, fame, prestige, all of these called artha, as this was said in the morning. All of that gives us a sense of security. Because I think that I'm insecure as I am and I need these things in order to feel secure or safe. Secondly, a person feels that I am unhappy. Now need, that is karma. I need various sources of pleasure in order to entertain me to feel happy. So that's the reason why I acquire many things, possess many things, own many things. But the reality is that what I am seeking from outside of myself is indeed my own nature, meaning that happiness is my nature. Fearlessness is my nature. Wise person is one who has discovered this. And therefore, who abides in the fact that I am happy, who abides in happiness, abides in fearlessness, abides in love, all the noble values. Nirmama, therefore, he is free even from the need of calling something as mine or owning something. Nirahankara, free from pride. Pride also is a source of security where I feel that I am something. The reason why I feel proud, proud of my wealth, proud of my fame, proud of my knowledge, from whatever, that makes me feel that I am something. This morning we heard how a person has a problem with not accepting his or her own self. Therefore, when I possess these things, such as name, fame, etc., then I feel that I am something. So I seek acceptance of myself through these things. Because I do not accept myself as I am. <clears throat> but here is a person who has discovered the fact that limitless in my nature. And therefore, there is a total self-acceptance. So total self-acceptance, total comfort with oneself, a freedom from all fear and insecurity, a freedom from all needs and demands, this is what is called moksha. And this is what how Lord Krishna describes the wise person. Nirmamo, nirahankara, no pride. There is all humility. No sense of possession. There is all generosity. So, nirmamo, nirahankara, sashantim, adhikachati. He enjoys abiding peace. This is how Lord Krishna described a wise person. And one of the characteristics is, he is free from desire. He is free from needs. Now, if I have no needs, if then this, I need not do anything because what we do normally is to fulfill our desires. Action that we perform are meant to fulfill one or the other desires. If there is no desire, there is no need for action. Therefore, this person also is free from all duties and responsibilities. That's why charity, he moves about. That's the description of a renunciate. And so, a wise person who is automatically renunciate also by spirit. Whether he wears a certain kind of robes or not, whether he lives a given lifestyle or not, in spirit he is a renunciate. So, renunciation and wisdom, they go together. Arjuna heard this and he could see that that is the goal of life, moksha is the goal of life for which knowledge is the means and for which renunciation is the means.
So these two things Arjuna heard. One is performance of duty. And Lord Krishna told him, Tasmad Yudhyasvabharata, Hey Arjuna, may you perform the duty. Karmanyavadikaraste, you are fit for karma or performing action. So when, on one hand, Lord Krishna says that wisdom, knowledge, and renunciation are the means for moksha. On the other hand, Arjuna is told to perform action. Does it mean Arjuna, Arjuna feels perturbed? He is confused. Doesn't Lord Krishna think that I am a mumokshu? Doesn't he know, think that I am a desirer of moksha? I already cleared, made clear to Lord Krishna, Please tell me that by which I can nishreyasa moksha. Very clear. So why doesn't Lord Krishna prescribe for me knowledge which is means of moksha? Why does Lord Krishna prescribe for me karma which is not means of moksha? Karma is binding. Knowledge is making you free. So how come Lord Krishna prescribes for me karma rather than prescribing knowledge and allowing renunciation. So this is the confusion Lord that Arjuna has and based on that confusion he begins the third chapter. Jayasichet karmanaste mata buddhir janardana tatkim karmani ghoremam niyo jayasikeshwar Hey janardana, that's the name of Lord Krishna. He Keshava, another name of Lord Krishna. Jayasi Chet Karmanaste Mata Buddhi. If in your opinion, knowledge is superior to action, you are telling us that ultimately it is knowledge that one has to gain for moksha. And for gaining knowledge, the renunciation of the duty is a very, is a very uh, convenient lifestyle. So ultimately knowledge amounts to renunciation or renunciation of duties. So Lord, as I understood from your discourse that you say that knowledge is superior to action. Karmanaha buddhi jayasi mata This is how he understands Lord Krishna by the way. Arjuna is expressing his understanding of what Lord Krishna said. If in your opinion knowledge is superior to action, Tatkim karmani ghoremam niyo then why do you impel me into this gruesome action, ghora karma, which is going to involve so much of violence? So why do you impel me to perform action? If from your own teaching, knowledge is superior to action, and knowledge means a moksha, then why do you impel me to perform action? This is Arjuna's question. But Arjuna also knows that Lord Krishna could not do that. In all probabilities, confusion must be on my part. So in second verse he says, Vyamishrene vakyena buddhim mohayasivame Oh Lord, your words appear to be contradictory to me. I know that you cannot be talking what is contradictory. You always talk what is clear. But because of my limitation, my dull, dullness of my intellect, it appears to me that, Oh Lord, your words are contradictory. Did you talk of karma? Talk of knowledge? Say knowledge means a moksha and still ask me to perform karma. So when I am a desirous of moksha, and still you ask me to perform karma, that appears contradictory. So why are you prescribing karma for the person who wants moksha? Buddhim mohesivame, you are as though confusing my mind. As though. So there are two as though. Even as though your statements are contradictory. Mohesiv, as though you are confusing my mind. It is my problem that my mind is confused. You can never say what is confusing. I'm sh- I know that you always talk what is clear, but this is my problem. Now, I can do both of them. Why not do both of them? Why not karma and jnanam together? It says that can't be done. Because knowledge calls for renunciation. 
and karma yoga calls for performance of karma. So karma yoga requires me to perform action or duties, whereas renunciation requires that I should renounce the duties. Now I cannot take up both of them simultaneously. Otherwise I would have done both. I would have combined them, but I cannot combine them. So in the second line of the second verses, Tadekam vadinishchitya yena shreyo amapnaya Because karma or jnanam, action or not, any one path I can take. And so Arjuna has not understood as yet that karma yoga is means to knowledge. It looks like Arjuna has understood that both of these are independent ways and you can choose one or the other for reaching destination. Sometimes you have a choice, either go the scenic route or take a highway, you know. Take a shortcut or take a take a quicker route. So they are independent, you can you have choice. So Arjuna thinks that you can reach moksha either by karma or by knowledge. So knowledge is more convenient to him because he doesn't want to do this karma. The duty which is before Arjuna involves fighting a battle with his near and dear ones, which will involve the killing of all the near and dear ones, which is very painful. So duty which is in front of Arjuna is extremely painful and therefore he wants to avoid it. He has already told Lord Krishna, I do not see any good coming out of this battle. And therefore I would prefer to beg, become a renunciate and beg the fool rather than gain victory and earn this kingdom which will be the pleasures which are soaked in blood of these, you know, my near and dear ones. I don't want that. So all we show is inclination of giving up things, renouncing, becoming a renunciate. But Lord Krishna does not seem to endorse that at all. You rise, determined to fight this battle. So, if knowledge and action are independent paths, why can't I pursue knowledge? Why does Lord, I am interested in renunciation, I am interested in moksha, and knowledge is the means, and the renunciation, why can't I renounce? Why do I have to perform this terrible action? Arjuna understands that there must be something which I have not understood. And therefore he says to Lord Krishna, Tadekam vadinishchitya, O Lord, you decide for me which is the right thing for me to perform karma or or pursue the knowledge directly. What Lord Krishna said in the second chapter and what Lord Krishna will say in this chapter is that karma and jnanam are not independent paths. There is this common opinion that Bhagavad Gita teaches three paths. Path of action, path of devotion, path of knowledge. As though these are three independent paths. Which is not the case. Knowledge is a direct means of moksha. What is moksha? Self-acceptance is moksha. Total self-acceptance is moksha. Now, what's the nature of self? It is already an acceptable self. So Lord Swami used the word Siddha. I mean it's already accomplished. Self is already an acceptable self. Because of ignorance I take myself unacceptable. So unacceptability of myself is a result of ignorance. And regardless of what I do, I will never become acceptable as long as ignorance does not go. And therefore, total self-acceptance is moksha liberation. And because I am already an acceptable self, it is knowledge of the self which will reveal reveal to me that I am already what I am seeking to be. So no doubt, knowledge of the self is the direct means of moksha or liberation of freedom. There is only one path as far as Vedanta, only one path, path of knowledge. You see, we have knowledge and we have action. Action is a means of accomplishing or achieving what you do not have. Action is a means of achieving or accomplishing what you do not have. 
in Sanskrit apraapta se praaptihi attain and what is not attained for that the means is karma or action if I don't have money perform action if I'm hungry I want food perform action I'm feeling cold I want a blanket perform action thus for achieving what we do not have the means is karma but then there is second kind of desire one is a desire for what I do not have Second is desire or what I think I do not have. <coughs> like the glasses which are pushed away on my head, you know, and I am searching for the glasses. What's that desire? That's the desire of what I think I do not have. Like the tenth man, searching for the tenth man, what desire is that? Desire of something that I think I do not have. So in our life there are two kinds of desires. One are the desire for what I do not have which is plenty of course. However, second is the desire for what I think I do not have. What is that? Moksha is in that category. Freedom, happiness, self-acceptance, all of this fall in the category of what I think I do not have. What is the means of attaining what I already have is knowledge. To know myself is the only way. To know that I am the tenth man is the way to achieve tenth man. Because Tenth man is already accomplished, already his nature. That is the reason why knowledge can be the only means for moksha. Because self is already limitless. Therefore, knowledge alone can be the means of recognizing that I am limitless and thus become free from all false sense of limitations. So it's on one path, path of knowledge. Then what's the role of karma? And what's the role of bhakti? This knowledge requires a certain disposition of mind, certain frame of mind, certain preparation of mind. As Swamiji says, you cannot achieve love through the corridor of hatred. You cannot achieve happiness through unhappiness. What it means is that if happiness and love is the nature of the self, then my mind must be relatively loving, relatively happy, relatively secure, then only I can discover the fact that happiness, security, love is my nature. So the first step is to create a mind which is relatively loving, which is relatively happy, which is relatively secure. How do you do that? By Karma Yoga. So karma yoga, meaning performance of karma on the duty, with the attitude of yoga, is a means of constructing or making our mind essentially happy. If total self-acceptance can be attained, when I am essentially accepting myself, I cannot hope to be accepting myself when I hate myself. I cannot accept, you know, that will hatred for the self, and then any amount of teaching is given to me that you are wonderful, you are limitless. It won't work. Only when I am essentially comfortable with myself, when I am more or less accepting myself, then when I am told that total acceptance is nature, then that knowledge will take place. You follow? Therefore, the mind should be of the nature of the self. Mind should be essentially loving, accepting, comfortable, secure, self-sufficient. In Vedanta they call it Antahakana Shuddhi, the purification of mind. It is the likes and dislikes that deny me the happiness or acceptance which is my nature and therefore getting rid of these likes and dislikes is the first step. That is Karma Yoga. So Karma performed in the actual Yoga is the first step and Jnanam is the second step. Not two paths. They are the two stages of the same path. So how about bhakti? Isn't that a separate path? No. Bhakti is involved both in karma. What is bhakti? Bhakti is devotion. Commitment. So when you are committed to something. Now karma yoga requires commitment to yoga. Jnana also requires a commitment. Therefore, it is devotion to moksha. Devotion to moksha, the goal, 
is what will enable me to perform karma with natural yoga as well as pursue the knowledge. Then bhakti is integral part of both pursuit of karma, karma and pursuit of knowledge. So this is a set of one path, two stages. I go from here to Minneapolis, from Lyland Town to Chicago, Chicago to Minneapolis, or whatever, you know. It's not that there are two independent paths. Now, yeah, but how come some people are not, some people are not taking the Lyland Town, Chicago flight, Swamini, because they are all in Chicago. Then you need only to take that flight. If you're in Lyland Town, you should take this flight, and then that flight, depending on where you are. Some people are born with preparations and therefore they, they already enjoy a mind which is essentially free from likes and dislikes. They are happy people. They are people. They are cheerful, happy. They don't have any needs, great needs. Very simple people, very non-demanding people. Maybe you, you have brought that kind of mind with you. In that case, you need not go through Karma Yoga. You can directly pursue the knowledge. On the other hand, if you are at island town, meaning having lots of likes and dislikes, lots of needs and desires, lots of emotional situations, no problem. Everybody is qualified for moksha. Then all that is needed is you must adopt appropriate means. And for that person, appropriate means is karma yoga. Provided he has value for moksha, so devotion to moksha is involved in both the cases. What is, what is karma yoga, you know? Karma yoga is performing action and offering to Ishvara. Meaning that I do not want any reward from this action. Now who can do that? A person who wants rewards, wants wealth, name, fame, etc. cannot do that. He will perform action so that his desires are fulfilled. Who can be a karma yogi? A person who has a value of not fulfilling desires but becoming free from desires. A person who recognizes that desire is a burden. And more I satisfy desires, more the desires increase. Therefore, becoming free from the fulfilling desires is not a way of becoming free from desires. It is getting, it is growing out of desires. This clarity must be there. Then, a mumokshu, meaning a person who is desirous of moksha, committed to moksha. That's what will be taught here, pariksha lokan. All that pariksha will enable, pariksha means analysis, analyzing. Will enable me to recognize that what I am seeking is really moksha. The desire behind all the desires is desire for moksha, that's what I want. If that is clear, then I am not going to fulfill my desires knowing that fulfilling desires will increase the desires. So how do you become, grow out of desire? Perform an action and offer it to Ishwara. Become a contributor instead of a consumer. So karma yogi is a contributor. A bhogi is a consumer. A yogi is a contributor. Therefore, you must be yogi to begin with. Thus devotion for moksha. That means devotion for knowledge. Devotion for teacher, devotion for scriptures, devotion for Ishwar, all of this is involved. Moksha you can gain by knowledge. Knowledge comes from teacher and scriptures. And they are revealed by Ishwara. And therefore, devotion for all of this is in Karma Yogi as well as in a person performing the, pursuing the knowledge. <coughs> all of this is what Lord Krishna had essentially suggested. But I think Arjuna is not quite understood. And so he thinks that he can take any one of them. In fact, there is no choice. Like asking this question. I want to be PhD. Okay, that is very, I already cleared, I made it clear. Should I go to high school or should I go to university? Mister, I can't go to both the same simultaneously, high school and university. You decide one thing for me and tell me. Now, can you add 5 plus 5 equal to 10? I mean, are you ready for going to university? What background do you have? If you don't have, then go to high school and then go to the university. 
But he went to the college, you know, how come I can't go to college? Well, all right. he already cleared his high school and you haven't. So that's how it's a one and step by step process. <clears throat> this is what Lord Krishna will tell Arjuna. In reply, Lord Krishna did not make a choice for him, but he wants to teach Arjuna. Let He wants Arjuna to see it himself as to what he should do. If Lord Krishna advises you, I'm telling you to perform karma, come on, go and do that. Arjuna may perhaps do it. But inside is not convinced, I think that he has some agenda for me. I think the reason why I ask him to perform karma because he has some agenda. Because he resists. When there is resistance from inside, and when you are asked to do it, there is going to be all kinds of conflicts. A sense of deprivation, suffering. So Lord Krishna will not compel him to do anything. That is why the teaching of 18 chapters were required. Only at the end when Arjuna said, Karishyevachanam tava, O Lord, I will do what you want me to do. Then he says, okay, now go ahead. It was Arjuna's decision. It cannot be Lord Krishna's decision, it has to be Arjuna's decision. It cannot be teacher's decision, it must become the decision of the student. It cannot be teacher's value, it should become our value. That's the whole purpose of teaching. Is not just to say what the values are, but to teach the value of the values. So it becomes a value of the student himself. Then we need not keep on micromanaging him. He will manage himself because he is value. Otherwise, the child doesn't want to go to school and he doesn't want to study. Come on, do this. Wake up at five o'clock. Do this every time, the whole day. You will be after him because it is not his value. It is my mother's value, my father's value. And so also Arjuna even started to fight. If it was not his value to fight, all the time there will be resistance. And he cannot apply himself to doing the task. It should become, sometimes people advise, I best, I, you know, better go back to India, this is, that's the best thing for you. He doesn't want to go back, but these people keep on advising him. So finally he says, all that I'll go. If everything works out, then I'll settle down there. Will not, things will never work out. If he has decided I want to go, so this fellow uh, at the Bombay airport, he just tore off his green card. Burnt all the ports, no choice to go back. Then he has to settle, because that was his value. So here the teaching is, Lord, um, Lord Krishna wants Arjuna to see things himself. And that's why it does not advise him, teaches him. And so a long preface is made here. Lord Krishna says, Lokesmin Dvidhanishtha Puraproktamayanagha Jnana Yogena Sankhyanam Karma Yogena Yoginam Here Arjuna, this twofold commitment has been revealed by me at the beginning of creation in the scriptures. Meaning that here Arjuna, this is a teaching of Vedas. What do the Vedas teach? The twofold commitment. Jnana Yogena Sankhyanam Karma Yogena Yoginam for those who need purification of mind, karma yoga. For those who possess purification of mind, jnana yoga. Life of activity and life of contemplation. Both are spiritual life, understand. We are talking about a person who has a commitment for spiritual growth. So karma yogi is as much a spiritual seeker as a jnana yogi is. So for the spiritual aspirants, Arjuna, we have laid out this path having two stages. The first stage is Karma Yoga, second stage is Jnana Yoga, Pravritti and Nivritti. Pravritti means life of activity, Karma Yoga. Nivritti is life of contemplation. Therefore, performing action or duty with the attitude of contribution, makes my mind progressively free from likes and dislikes and makes my mind contemplative. From an active person, I become a contemplative person. I become a person who is comfortable with himself, who doesn't need now a lot of props or emotional support, who can now be in the solitude, who can study and contemplate, 
So when that frame of mind is attained, you are ready to do what you want. You want to become renunciate, you can. Don't want to become renunciate, don't, no problem. But you are ready. Sit in the corner of your house and then do what you do in ashram. Doesn't matter where you do it, how you do it. What is important is life of contemplation. <clears throat> Here, Arjuna, all right, Lord Krishna, why not? I already proposed to you, I want to renounce. Can I not get moksha by renunciation? If I don't perform the action or duty which is in front of me, then is it not possible for me to become renunciate and then pursue knowledge? Lord Krishna is the fourth verse. Na karmanam anarambhat naishkarmyam purusha asnute. Naishkarmyam, freedom from action. Freedom from action means freedom from... Uh, by action is meant all the stresses that the action brings. We do not actually, even when we want to retire, people say, well, I want to retire. Retire from what? I want to retire from my activity, Swami, from my profession, from my job. Why is it so? It's a, you know, lots of conflicts, Swami, lots of stress. It's a very stressful thing, lot of conflicts. So you want to retire from what? From conflict or from karma? See, people do not realize that what they are seeking is retirement from conflicts and stresses. But then it is always equated. Karma, duty means stress. Duty means conflict. Lord Krishna, that, that, that equation is not right. It is not the action that creates stress in you. It is not action that creates conflicts in you. It is your attachment that creates stress in you. It is the attachment that creates conflict in you. What attachment? Whenever you perform an action, that is always in your mind, an agenda, that I want to achieve such and such thing as a result of the action. You want always success. Attachment to success. Attachment to gain. You are not prepared for a loss, you only want gain. You are not prepared for failure, you only want success. You are not prepared for defeat, you only want victory. Swamiji, everybody wants. Well, then everybody is attached. What is meant by freedom of attachment is willingness. Willingness to accept defeat if it comes. Failure if it comes. Loss if it comes. Not that you are working for failure, you are working for success. You will not spare any effort to make your effort successful. You want success, you want gain, you want, you know, victory. However, what is meant by freedom from attachment is that I can accept gracefully whatever outcome comes. If victory comes, thank you God. Defeat comes, thank you God. If success, thank you. Failure, thank you. I may not be as loud as the earlier one. I mean, it's not easy to accept failure. You know, why is it not easy to accept failure? Because I identify with the outcome. When outcome is success, I say, I am successful. I congratulate myself to feel good about myself. That's another complex. When failure comes, I brand myself a failure and I condemn myself. And that's what causes stresses. That's what causes all conflicts. Self-non-acceptance, self-condemnation. Judging myself based on something else, judging myself based on the result of action. So what is, that is what is causing stress, you understand? Swami is very stressful these days. Don't know what will happen. Don't know what will happen is right. Of course, nobody knows what will happen. That's how life is. There's always uncertainty, unpredictability. That's the way of life. Nobody knows what the future is going to bring. Lord Rama did not know what is going to happen tomorrow. If we were in our, his place, we would have been totally devastated. This evening is told that you will be coronated tomorrow, and next morning is told you will go to forest 14 years. You know, heart attack. Nothing happened to him. That, because he was Rama, of course. 
But we are such strong, I mean judging myself. If you don't judge yourself based on outcome, then no problem. I did the best I could do, did not succeed. Well, what can you do? Victory, all right. That is His grace. Defeat, nothing you can do about it. You lost. What? You lost. So what? Now, that is called detachment. That's all the detachment means, by the way. Detachment does not mean that you perform action without any agenda. Doesn't mean that you perform action not desiring success or anything like that. Perform action with a willingness to accept gracefully whatever outcome comes. It is unwillingness on our part. We are not, we are not ready for unpleasantness. We are not ready for failure. We are not ready for loss. And that is our problem. It is that which causes stresses. What will happen? What will happen? Swamiji, I will lose my job. What can you do about it? You can't control it anyway. Other fellows are controlling that. What will happen? Lot of things may happen, of course. But what I am saying is that what you cannot control, you have to accept gracefully and then think about what is it that we can do in those conditions. I know the situations can be painful, no doubt about that. But unfortunately pain is a part of our life, a reality of life. Either we cry in the pain or we gracefully accept it, it's going to come. Different way, everybody has different kind of pain, of course. You know, there's no, nothing common about it. Somebody has different sources. But Ishwara seems to, for everybody, Ishwara seems to have created something which can cause pain or anxiety. Somebody's parents are like that, somebody's child is like that, somebody's spouse is like that, somebody's in-laws are like that, somebody's this is like that, somebody's neighbor is like that, somebody's boss is like that, somebody's salary is like that, somebody's job is like that, something or the other. Nobody is free. We pray that you all become free, but I say this is how Ishwara is. Because I guess he has placed pain in our life to help us grow, that's all. Our unwillingness to accept the unpleasant, unwillingness to accept pain, we want to avoid the pain, we want to avoid unpleasant, that's what Arjuna wants, that's called attachment. I'm not saying that you should invite pain, no. You should do the best that you can to have happiness. But if pain comes in that, you know, in that, uh, in the strife, then you take it in the strife. So Arjuna wanted to give up these actions. The Lord Krishna says, Na karmanam anarambhat, nash karmim purushoshnude. Here Arjuna, by abstaining from your duty, by avoiding to perform your duty, do not think that you will become free from stresses and conflicts. Because the duty has nothing to do with that. It's all in your mind. It's all in your attitude. Understand that, whether we are happy or unhappy, all depends upon our attitude. Therefore, non-performative action, avoiding action, abstaining from action, will not give freedom from action. Because it's your own nature, will next, next verse Lord Krishna will say. You have no freedom to give up action, Arjuna. So if you don't do this action, you will do something else. That being the case, you won't get freedom from action by abstaining from this duty that is there before you. All right, Swami, Lord Krishna, I'll take renounce, I'll renounce, formally renunciation, so no duties. Just because you renounce formally and take up a lifestyle, renunciate. That is even worse. Because inside the bhogi and outside the yogi, then there's a big problem. And therefore, you are Ubhayabrashta, neither here nor there. So merely by sannyasa, don't expect that you will get in the moksha. It is by self-growth alone that you can get moksha. You can't bypass anything. Vedanta does not suggest any shortcuts. Some people do. And that's why everybody is fascinated. Moksha in three days, in thirty days, the packages are given to you. <laughs> Just do this pranayama, do this kind of a thing. You'll be liberated, blissed out. 
Vedanta says that we have to grow. A fruit has to get ripened properly. You cannot accelerate that process by some some gases and some injection and stuff like that. It may outwardly look ripe, inwardly it may be miserable. The papayas are like that, you know, always, I don't know how they ripen them. So they, they pluck them when they're raw, all fruits. Because then you can't transport if they're ripe. You have to transport 3,000 miles, take so many days in the warehouse and whatnot, so by the time they come to the store, several days may have elapsed. So they can't afford to let the fruit ripen on the tree, which is how it should be done. But then you have to sell ripe fruit to your clients or customers, so you ripen it somehow. So unnatural thing. And that fruit will never taste. They'll not, you know, it won't be delicious. So mango becomes delicious when you allow it to ripen. Give it its own time, give it the atmosphere, then what was raw becomes ripen. What was green becomes yellow. What was sour becomes sweet, becomes fragrant. It's all potentially that mango provided you allow the mango to ripen. All potentially is right in our mind, which is like mango. We do allow it to ripen. Take shortcut, it won't work. How come Lord Krishna I cannot take sannyasa? In the next verse, Lord Krishna says, Nahi kaschit chanamapi jadu tishthari akaramakrita karyate shivashakarama sarva prakuta jayagunai. Yarjuna, a person cannot sit quietly even for a moment. This is a general. There are exceptions, of course. There are people who have gained that emotional maturity. They are not meant here, but most of the people. Most of the people devote a life of pleasure, artha and kama. Means there are lots of likes and dislikes inside. So Lord Krishna says, Karyatehi, avashah karma. Your own likes and dislikes, your own discomfort with yourself. See, when you are not accepting yourself, then you are uncomfortable with yourself. You don't want to be with yourself. Never mind, reward. moment you try to sit down quietly, do something, the mind rewards, I want to do, I want to get out. Sometimes you bring children here, you know, bring the Swami, I want to go out. I want to play. Uncomfortable. Because you sit there. The parents come and sit there and they expect child. Then they push his leg. Put it inside. Sit straight. Do this. What can that little thing do, you know? At home he does whatever, you know. When he comes, so he never want to come to a Swami. You know, Swami means what? Sitting like this. And folded legs. And not moving about. So on one hand he want him to prostrate to Swami. So how one becomes uncomfortable? So mind becomes uncomfortable when it is with myself because I am not, I don't accept myself. I don't respect, I don't love myself. Thus there is a discomfort with my own self. Lord Krishna says that discomfort will not allow the mind to remain quiet even for a moment and that uncomfortable mind will force you, compel you to do something. When there is restlessness or discomfort within, it will want its expression out. Like a steam cooker. So when the steam builds up in there, you should have a safety wall from the whistle. You know the steam has got, otherwise it will burst out. And that is why even if you want, we cannot retire. We cannot take vacation even. You know, vacation itself is so busy. Because you need to do something. We'll do tracking and we'll do that. Okay, fine, do that. Vacation doesn't mean you'll go on the beach and sit there. Because what will you do? <laughs> there is this discomfort within the person, which we call ragadvesha, likes and dislikes. is self-non-acceptance. Dislike for myself. And therefore like for something else. See, I've attached to other things because I, de- I, I don't like myself. Therefore other things become likable. Maybe if that I get, I'll become likable. As long as there is pressure inside of these likes and dislikes, Arjuna, even if you want, you cannot sit quietly. If you go away from the battlefield, then you may. 
But this nature of yours will compel you to do something else. You'll, you will then fight with trees, you'll cut them, you know, because your fighting is your nature. So, somewhere else this energy will have to be expressed. For a moment also a person cannot sit quietly because as long as the mind is restless, so long it will not allow you to sit quietly. And therefore, with a restless mind, there is no point in retiring. Suppose somebody does not understand this reality. Says, no, no, I don't care. I can take care of my mind. Okay? So next verse is, Yastvindriyani manasa niyamyaravaterjana karma indrihi karma yogam asaktasya vishishyate Somebody out of total ignorance or, or lack of understanding and out of also an insistence that I'm going to do this. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to control my mind. Okay, please do that. So, karma and diryani sanyamya. Therefore, yes, you can sit in the meditative posture. You can close your eyes. You can even plug your ears. You can, you know, fold your hand and keep them in your lap. This is called yogi. Outwardly looks what? A yogi. But inside, so manasa, and then, manasa, indriya, thans, manas. But inside, what is mind thinking? Not of atma, not of Ishvara. He's thinking of what? His sense pleasures, which he is missing now. Now he's become a yogi. So he can't even get morning tea. A yogi cannot get rasgulla, he cannot get movies, he cannot get videos, he cannot get those kind of things. So that is what now he's thinking. What is missing? If you've grown out of those needs, then fine. But those needs are still there. It's not anybody's fault that needs are there. It's okay. Except that our lifestyle should be compatible to our needs. That's all it means. There's nothing wrong in doing, you know, getting married, having children, having family. It's all wonderful. Why not? But at the same time, no, because he got married, so I also get married. Wait a minute. Is that your need or not, you know? Otherwise, you don't know what you're walking into, you know? And so what I'm, it's, it should be responsible. People say, Swami, should I get married or not? You recognize your own need. Whatever you do, must be in response to your need. Should have a child or not? If you need, yes, certainly. Whatever we do, should be in, in expression of our need. Just because somebody does it, <clears throat> therefore I do it, and if I am not ready for it, then it, it can become quite difficult. So here this person is a yogi outwardly, but his mind is bhogi. So in, inside, he keeps on thinking about the sense pleasures. Lord Krishna is mithyachara. He is a person of <coughs> false conduct. Meaning that his thought and conduct are not in alignment. He is really in a very pitiable condition. Because he has, he has lost the advantage of both. If he was doing his activity action... <coughs> Live of activity or householder, then he can justify going to movies, doing everything. Why this close and then go to movie theater, then everybody will look at you. <laughs> what is, is this Swamiji here? What is happening here? You know? <laughs> certain things just don't go with, you know, certain lifestyle. There's nothing wrong in your desire to watch movies, nothing wrong in it. But you should have a lifestyle compatible to that. And if you have desires, then you contribute also. Don't expect that the world will fulfill your desires without a con- Then you perform your duties. So perform the duties, do your action, and earn your fulfillment of desire. Deserve before you desire. So you first deserve. By putting your effort. And then fulfill your desire. <coughs> Otherwise you become Ubhaya Neither here, nor there. <coughs> so what does Lord Krishna say to Arjuna? Niyatam kuru karmatvam karma jayo hya karmanah sarira yatra vishate na prasidyet akarmanah Niyatam kuru karmatvam Hey Arjuna, you perform the duty that is stipulated for you. It applies to everybody. Perform what is the right thing to do. Those days were easy to determine what the duty was because of Varanasana, Vivasana, etc. Now we have to decide what is the best thing for me to do. 
Meaning that whatever a situation is, give an appropriate response to the situation. Arjuna is a battlefield and his role is to protect dharma. He has to, he has to you know, display an appropriate response. Now if you are a businessman, appropriate response. If you are a student, another kind of response. You are a teacher, you are a professor, you are mother, you are father. Whatever role you are performing in, in what conditions, an appropriate response is called niyatamka, it's called duty. Niyatam guru karmatvam. And therefore, play your roles well. Do not compromise the means for the sake of end. Even if playing a role is painful, if it is the right thing to do, do it. Do what is right, not necessarily what you like. If what you like, if what, what is right is not what you like, still you should do. If you dislike what you have to do, still you have to do. That's called near, that's called duty. Niyatam karma. So one aspect of karma yoga is to do what is right. But Swami, how do I know what is right? You will know. If you don't know, ask somebody, no problem. In certain situations, we don't know what choice to make. What is right? It's possible. Things are sometimes not black and white. They're not very clear. Okay? Even Upanishad says, you consult the people who are wise. Asayate karma vechikitsava vrutta vechikitsava asyat ye tatra brahmanaha sammarshinaha yuktaha ayuktaha etc. Meaning that if in a given situation you have, you cannot decide what, whether to do this or that, you consult the people who are well versed with it. <coughs> Niyatam kuru karmatvam. Karma jayo shikaramanaha. Performing duty is at any rate better than being inactive. Because if you don't do anything, you won't grow. Action is a means of growth. For most people. As I said, those people who have carried out that step, they need not perform action, they can proceed to the next step. But for most people, action is a great opportunity to grow. Here, you know, if you give them an opportunity to become a renunciate, then the very opportunity you had to grow with the help of action, then you have given up. Antahakana's purification of mind can be done only with action. So only when karma is performed in the attitude of yoga, that can bring about purification of mind. If you give up this karma, you can't get purification of mind. You can't be fit for knowledge. Therefore, you know, your life is a waste. Karma jayo karma. At any rate, performing karma is better than dropping out, avoiding it, not doing it. Here, Arjuna, if you do not participate, if you do not contribute, don't think that the world is going to support you. See, in the, the whole world is based on inter, interdependence. I receive the favor, I should return the favor. That's the setup. Then the world supports me by giving me air, water, space, light, and millions of things. Then I should also contribute. If you stop contributing, don't expect that the world will continue to favor you. If you become inactive, if you become, if you do not participate, then you'll stop receiving favor from the world also. It will not be possible for you to even sustain your body. Because sustaining the body requires favor from the universe. And that requires you to contribute to the universe. Thus there is always this give and take, interdependence. <coughs> Therefore Lord Krishna says, Niyatam Kuru Karmatvam, may you perform your enjoined duty, stipulated duty. In what spirit should I do? In the ninth verse, Lord Krishna says, Yajnyarthat karmanyatra lokoyam karmabandhana tadartham karmakaunteya mukta sangas samachara. Even when you are playing your roles, what should be the attitude while even playing our day to day, doing the activities or playing our roles? Lord Krishna, yajna. What is yajna? Yajna means offering. Contribution. So may you perform your roles, may you play your roles, perform your duty in the spirit of contribution. 
rather than in the spirit of consumption. Meaning become a giver rather than a grabber. We play our roles all right, but we always want to grab. In every situation I want to grab, take advantage of other people. So I normally my mind calculates, how can I take advantage of this situation? How can I take advantage of this person? Always grabbing. Lord Krishna says, no, that attitude is a binding attitude. Therefore, yajna arthat, perform your duties or actions, yajna or offering, in the spirit of contribution. Tadartham karma kaunteya, mukta sangha, samacharya, he kaunteya, perform your duties in the spirit of yajna, being detached and perform your duties well. <coughs> okay, we'll continue and then proceed with the next verses. Okay. <coughs> Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutavande Bhagavantaupunapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmevi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om